Should I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. from uspost.shop.com, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 341, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Jim. This is Albert. This is Becca. And today we have... Uh, a rather interesting site that everybody should go to just to look at it, to see how professional this is, see how much it looks like the U.S. Post Office. The post site, or the website is uspost.shop.com. And it is... It, it is hard to differentiate it from the U.S. Post Office website. But they sell stamps 50% off because they're clearing them out. Yeah, they're obviously all counterfeit. Yes. And as a matter of fact, Mark just mentioned the... Yeah, there's the, the one love stamp has just been released. I mean, it's just a few days ago the stamp was released. And so, uh, I, you know... I guess they copied it from the uh, from the artwork that was released by the post office. I mean, how do they, you know, how did they get, uh, you know, how how are they unless they're unless they're not printing them yet? Maybe that's the case. I have a theory that they've taken those photos from the USPS website. But yeah, it'll be really easy to detect mm -hmm. then if uh, they're just operating off a photograph, right? Because, you know, usually you need better quality than that. Right. But, yeah, so we have the 2022 three flags, three U.S. flags, the love stamp. Those both or, just yeah. came out. Yeah, well, yeah, they just got released. Well, what I meant is not that they counterfeited from the photo, but the photo on the webpage, on their webpage, is from the USPS. And they haven't got those yet. They're just advertising they will have them because they have been released. Because yeah, they know be. that they will be yeah. cranking these suckers out. Yeah. So then you also have the uh, Colorado Hair Streak Colorado Hair Streak Butterfly, the thank you stamp, the cactus flowers, winter scenes. I mean, you know, it's the same stamps we always see, except 
literally the two that just came out. Right, and the thank you stamp has the um, has the foil, so they're imitating the foil. The foil. Yep. There's also an article in the recent lens on the spooky silhouette foil. Yep. That was counterfeited. And uh, you had something from uh, Britain. Well, the British, uh, we talked about this at another podcast, the the British are basically going to, at the 1st of 2023, um, issue January stance. 31st. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're going to um, basically put a barcode on it. It looks more like one of those... Um, what do they call them? The QR? QR yeah, code. it's a QR code. <laughs> yeah. And the U.S. does do that on their computer-vended postage. Mm-hmm. But what Britain's going to do is devalue or demonetize all the um, regular issue stamps at that date. And only the new ones with the uh, QR code will be valid for postage. And so that means that they're really going to stick it to the Chinese counterfeiters because now the Chinese counterfeiters are only going to be able to counterfeit the commemoratives. Right. Oh, Which, shucks. Yeah. And the gist of the story is is that um, the, the problem facing the U.S., we, we've talked about, you know, what the U.S. could do about that. The gist of the story is, is that um, the cost of finding these people in these foreign countries and prosecuting them successfully to stop them before they move operations somewhere else, et cetera, et cetera, exceeds the losses that they're getting from the postage stamp use. Ergo, nobody's doing anything. And the author of the article uh, speculates that it's probably never going to happen um, the author is Joe Brockert, and it's never going to happen because, um, or, or it's h- hard to believe it would happen, let's put it that way. No absolute. But that, because Great Britain is a m- much smaller country in population and in number of post offices than the United States is, ergo it would be a much bigger problem to demonetize and reimburse people coming in with their old postage, with new postage, then it would be to offset the losses that they're actually in having. Yeah, but it's a, it's a stupid comparison, in my opinion. I don't want to call anybody stupid at the post office. See, no, no, no he's not from the post office. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, you know... He's an employee of Lynn's. Oh, then maybe I, I take it back then. <laughs> um we got rid of drunk driving. We didn't do it by attacking the drunk drivers. We did it by bringing social pressure on the drunk drivers. MAD had far more, M-A-D-D, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, had far more impact on removing drunk driving by far than any law that was ever passed. Yes. So... What the post office is doing is they're going to try to pass laws on the counterfeiters when it's so easy to go after the users. And you don't even have to go after the users. You just say, like we've brought up before, um, the stamp you used, we weren't sure whether it was real. So unfortunately, we had to hand sort it. 
So it took two weeks to get to its destination. Very, very sorry that your mortgage payment, you know, didn't get posted on time. Very sorry that the credit card company, you know, gave you the late fee. Um, maybe what you want to do is not use counterfeit stamps. And if you bring it from the social side, all of a sudden everybody goes, oh, you know, I just saved $20 on 100 stamps. Too bad my uh, credit rating just got squashed because uh, all my bills that I paid all came back to me because I used counterfeit stamps. And all you need is, like I said, what we need is a little old lady to go into foreclosure because her payment didn't get to the bank because she used a counterfeit stamp. And then that goes all over the news and everybody goes, oh, well, the post office is terrible. They should have delivered it anyway. And the post office says, how do we know what's inside the letter? We don't open up the letters. I like your thinking, except for this one thing. When has the government or agencies of the government ever done something that makes sense? <laughs> yeah, obviously they should just open up all the letters. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, seriously, it it makes sense to do that. Ergo, that's not going to be done because... And there's virtually no cost to it. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's not going... to the government. It's going through the sorter, and all of a sudden it doesn't go through the sorter because it doesn't have a... A tagged stamp on it and it goes into another bin and you know then you go through and you know we we use untagged stamps all the time because we're flatless yeah so you, they have to go through there and grab all those and send them on but you know you see the z fold flag stamp and you go okay maybe there's a problem you send it through again it doesn't go through it's like oh i'm very very sorry but we have to investigate this i hope you don't mind this letter not getting through for two or three weeks Hope it doesn't have a mortgage or hope it doesn't have any payment in it. Um, I'm looking at the address. It says uh, Chase in uh, North Dakota. I think, I think South Dakota, whichever it is. It says it's going to Chase in South Dakota. I assume that's George Chase, not the bank. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll go ahead and hold this and just give George Chase a call and tell him, you know, the, the pictures of the family reunion are late. And, you know, just be that harsh on it because these people who are buying these stamps know what they're doing. It's like I said in the last podcast, if if I put up an ad on Facebook or wherever and I said, God, I've got way too many $20 bills. I've got hundreds of these things. You know, I'll tell you what, I'm going to sell them for 15 bucks each. Everybody would know, hey, there's something wrong here. Postage stamps, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we don't understand. It's like, yes, you do. <laughs> so what a, one of the things that is heartening about this is, is that um, we understand that the credit cards when, don't go through when you make an order on this web page. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, USPost.shop.com. Uh, Scott tried to buy something off it. Just, you know, on a whim to see what would happen. And uh, the credit card company shut it down. However, I went on just this morning before the podcast. And I found what was a UPSS deals. Two S's. UPSSdeals.com. 
it looks like it's the exact same company selling the exact same stamps. And uh, I, I, I wanted to see how, you know, charges were done. And I had to put something in the cart. So I put a roll in the cart and then clicked over to, you know, send in payment. And I didn't fill anything out, obviously. But it looks like they'll take credit cards there because they haven't been shut down yet. Yeah, that because they just opened another website. Yeah. Yeah. Be, yeah. So uh, these guys are out there. And this one is not only is it 50% off because the post office wants to clear out all its forever stamps, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but you get an extra $10 off if you spend more than $60. So now you're getting... 60% off. And, you know, we deal with discount postage. And 60% off discount postage means you're getting really crappy stamps. You're, yeah. <laughs> you're getting like eight and 10 cent stamps that, you know, you're going to plaster an envelope with to try to send. You're not getting forever stamps. Nope. So uh, let's see. Uh, we're going to continue to beat this dead horse until something else happens. But I'm really kind of happy that the British are coming around to addressing the problem. Even if it's just halfway. Even if it's halfway. Yeah, because they still can, can do the commemoratives, kind of fit the, the commemoratives. Yeah, well, I'm looking at, again, uspost.shop.com. And if we did this, they still have the Scooby-Doo stamp, the military working dog stamp, and the Sesame Street stamps. Well, the majority of the stamps that they're offering are commemorators. Yeah. Actually, yeah, most of them are, aren't they? The Christmas booklets. Uh, yeah, the the sports balls, um, the the ice cream. I remember the ice cream, Day of the Dead. That one just yeah. came out a little while ago. Right. I'm wondering if the uh, ice cream pop stamps uh, have the scratch and sniff. Yeah. Yeah, if they, if they included yeah. that. Yeah, because I remember when uh, they came out and we they had an ice cream truck at the post office uh, for the first day ceremony of the ice cream stamps. I remember we got some ice cream there. Yep. I want to use the Day of the Dead Letter stamp. Day of the Dead Letter Office. <laughs> well, speaking about um, valueless counterfeit stamps, let's talk about uh, valueless. Uh, well, they're not counterfeit. They're they're issued by the post office, but Switzerland has issued NFTs for. They're, uh, it's a souvenir sheet, and I don't know if this souvenir sheet was actually issued or not, but you can buy a virtual souvenir sheet. On the left side, it has a stamp. On the right side, it shows a picture of one of the mountains in Switzerland. And then on some of them, they have a little image of a, like a star map image of, and this one here shows a marmot. So it's the Matterhorn with Marmot. 350 were issued. So they did not physically print these, right? No, these are NFTs. These are non-fungible tokens where you buy it and then you can pull it up on the computer and stare at it and say, I paid money for that. Now, luckily, Becca, you pulled up the pricing and what were they running? About $10 a piece. So, let's see. The, the Matterhorn is the most common one. 
It was they released sixty five thousand of them, and uh, Mount Rigi, R I G I. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Who knows? Uh, all the Swiss uh, people can get mad at me. Uh, they issued two thousand five hundred of those, and then each one has a variety underneath it with the Pilatus mountain and a dragon. They only released 50 of those. So if you want something that is really super twice as rare as an inverted Jenny, (laughs) you can get the Pilatus and dragon NFT from Switzerland. And, uh, then you can, uh, now, did they call it a crypto stamp, or did the author of the article call it a crypto stamp? Yeah, they call it a crypto stamp, but it's really, that's totally not a correct phrase to use nowadays. They're, yeah. they're NFTs. They're right. non-fungible tokens. And you can't use it for postage, so why do they even you know, call it a stamp? It's a picture of a stamp. Yeah, it's just a picture of a stamp. You can add it to your virtual stamp collection. All right. They'd be, they'd be better off to print them in those quantities and sell them. Oh, yeah. Oh, by far. Yeah. yeah. Do they have any plans to actually issue it as a, as a souvenir sheet? Well, that's the thing that isn't clear, but it looks like it is not going to occur as a stamp. Or if it is, they're going to just issue one of them. Wouldn't it be interesting if the Chinese counterfeiters actually issued those as physical souvenir sheets? Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy one of those at half price. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the the, uh, the release quantities on them are very, very low. Like I said, the uh, Pilatus with Dragon, which I don't see a picture of it here. So I don't know what that mountain looks like, but I'm going to guess it looks like a big bump covered with snow. Uh, and then the dragon, of course, everything is worth more if it has a dragon on it. So 50 of them, you know, maybe a hundred bucks to somebody who has a hundred bucks burning a hole in their pocket that really, really needs to get rid of it in Switzerland. They could, uh, list it in Italian lira and get like 10,000 lira. Something oh like that. yeah. Dong. Mm-hmm. Vietnamese dong. You, there you go. You can get, you know. 150,000 dong for it. Yep, there you go. Oh. So Mark, you found some, you found two items to discuss. Yeah, a couple couple stories. The um I was looking through an old uh, magazine and saw that uh, that Stanley Gibbons is uh, saying that you can own a piece of the 1 cent magenta, so I thought, "Oh, I'll take a look at that." Well, it turns out if you're in the United States, you can't you can't purchase a piece of the magenta. So it's only uh, you know, it's only for, for non-U.S. buyers. I'm sure that that has something to do with the laws of uh, syndication uh, in the United States versus in, you know, they didn't file whatever paperwork with the SEC. And yeah. I was hoping for my little microscopic piece of the one-cent magenta, and now I don't get it. I actually was thinking the same thing. It's like, wouldn't it be cool just to, you know... Could you buy a twenty-five dollar piece of the magenta and then say I am one? Of, I am one of the past owners of the one cent magenta. <laughs> you know, you're paying twenty-five bucks for bragging they're gonna right. They're going to have to. Yeah. They're going to have to put an addendum on the back of the stamp for all the owner signatures and stamps there. 
Yeah. <laughs> for 25 bucks, you just get microprint. Yeah. <laughs> still being an chip. Page. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other story I saw, I came across, was that uh, Scott Publishing is going to separate the United Nations from the 2023 uh, Scott Specialized Catalog of the United States Stamps and Covers. So Finally. Uh, so uh, it turns out in my 2022 specialized, um, it's 74 physical pages. So they're making room for, I guess, new releases and that type of stuff on, on United States issues. And so they're going to issue this, uh, this UN catalog of, I think it's something like 300 pages, um, as a separate book. So for the 50 people in the world who will buy that, you can... <laughs> You know, you can get that from uh, from Scott and uh, and not have to buy have not have to walk around with this hefty specialized catalog. I um, have to agree with you. It's interesting, though, the history of collecting U.N. stamps. One of the reasons why U.N. stamps today, I believe, are still collected is because they're in the back of the Scott's catalog. If they remove them from the back of the Scott's catalog, what's you, going to happen with their U.S. collector base? You, the, U, the U.S. specialized catalog. Yeah, it's going to be. It, it'll still be a Scott catalog. It's just a separate book. Right. Yeah, it won't be in the specialized. Right. Yeah. I think, it'll, and I think that whole market will, I, as badly as it's cratered, I think it'll drop by another half. Yeah, I, I could very easily see it being just another country. You know, pe- people, you know, people, United States people, you know, if you want to collect Russia, you know, go ahead. But if it's in the back of the book of the United States, then it sort of is a U.S. collecting interest. You remove that, and I think that uh, is a big death knell for it. Although, like Albert said, you know, and uh, – there just aren't very many collectors of it, and uh, this doesn't bode well. If I was a UN collector, and I'm not, uh, I'd be selling my UN collection. Yeah, and it's curious that they're, if it's 74 pages in the current specialized, how are they going to fill 300 pages in a, in a separate volume? Unless it's going to be like pocketbook size. I think they're just going to put it in. Oh. just put it in alphabetical order in in the U section of the of the catalog now. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Well, because they they talk about making a special a special volume just for UN, a three hundred page volume. I think that uh, I think that's a way for them to get rid of it. An intermediate. Oh, they say step. it's going to be soft cover, six inch by nine inch book. Yeah, six by nine. That's smaller. That's like that. that's that's a that's, that's a half certificate half size. Page, yeah. yeah, that's a half page. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the Scott's catalogs are getting too big, and getting rid of the UN. I don't think anybody is going to be cl- complaining except for the UN, right? And uh, we went through their history before, but basically, the UN was incredibly popular up until the early 1980s. And uh, really, the first bullet at the UN uh, was when they released the Rights for Palestinians stamp. And it pissed off, obviously, all the Jewish people. 
and all the conservative American people. And so those two groups are a fairly hefty group. And there's a, you know, you alienated 55% of your collector base. Then after the um, market turned, after the inflationary period in uh, Scott's number 38, you know, like I've talked about with the inflation podcast, it had a catalog value of $500 and was selling for $400 to $500. Today it sells for $25 to $35. So when the UN all dropped in price, people got disenchanted with it. It had a political issue, which disenchanted people with it. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, 1991 or 92, they limited the use of the stamps out of their uh, headquarters offices. So uh, there were a couple of auction houses in New York that would use the UN post office buy the discount postage, take it there and mail their catalogs and stuff. And instead of putting some sort of limit on that, they took a big draconian step and basically said, if you're not mailing just a single letter, um, you fall under all these different requirements. And so people then saw that this isn't even postage. And that was strike three. And at the last Las Vegas stamp show, I had $250 worth of face UN in sheets. And a person offered me $35 for it, and I sold it. Mm. So that's 12, 13% of catalog, 14, or excuse face, me, a yeah. face. No. So that's like 5 or 6% of catalog. The biggest problem now is the limitation of how many letters you can send out of the one post office that still accepts you. Because many auction, I still remember uh, an old auction. There were several auctioneers like Jacques C. Schiff that would send all their auction catalogs using, using UN postage. But now you're limited to, what, 20 letters or something like that? It's a very small amount. I don't think it's even 20. I think it's less. Yeah, it's... it's, it's um, in some ways, it's criminal because of all the people that have bought that bought you in at discount postage rates, and now they're they can't even use it. Yeah, yeah, can't use it can't sell it. Well, but Schiff again, that got the stamps into the market, and that got people like interested at least a little bit. That's where the used copies come from. Yeah, and then they pulled that rug out, and now you the only thing you can do is pay them face value. So if they want to put out a $4 stamp, you have to buy a $4 stamp to fill that hole. And there's no way you're ever going to get 4 bucks for it back. So I can very easily see this sort of being a, um, a further death now. I, I don't think that there's a big collector base, but I think it just shrunk. Right. So as far as the future of the specialized catalog... Um, I, I imagine they would probably split into two volumes instead of doing something like uh, taking out, uh, say, possessions no. and making that a separate volume. I, th I think they can just use a normal font size yeah. and fill up the 75 pages. I mean, right now, you have to have a magnifying glass to read a well, lot of I'm it. Well, I'm saying for the future of the past 2023, 
um, when the as as U.S. you know continues to to issue out put out new issues, the catalog is going to get thicker. So, uh, what can they cut out in the future? Um, and I suspect that they probably would not want to take like pos- uh, U.S. possessions out or counterfeits. Counter- I heard or, the counterfeit section is growing. Yeah, yeah, the counterfeits. <laughs> yeah, that's probably growing faster well, than. Uh, well, this past year, they out of the specialized, they cut out the the value the the yellow valuation sheet. So now you have to right. buy it as a separate separate uh, um, softbound. Uh, yeah, except edition. those are selling. People, all collectors do not. It, all collectors want to know the pricing, but they don't know how to use the yellow sheets on grading. They'll look at it and say, oh, yeah, this stamp is superb. So it has a price in here of $400. And I'm going to discount it by 10% because it's ripped. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, no, no, that's not how grading works. Um, so it's misused. But, you know, when we were at uh, Arapex, I saw a lot of them out on the floor, you know, people carrying because the second thing is they're small. So since, you know, we stopped making the SMQ, just putting it online, uh, you know, if you want to print copy, you get it from Scott's catalog. Yep. So let's see. We have valueless counterfeit stamps, valueless Swiss NFTs, Valueless United Nations stamps and the one cent magenta that Americans can't buy. It boggles my mind why people listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anybody else have anything? I attended a couple of sales last week in New York. Oh, I want to go over that because this is something that's cool because this is where the market is. Go. Well, yeah. So I attended. Um, so there were three sales last week that the auction house Robert A. Siegel Auction Galleries in New York held. They had a sale of the Hope Collection, which was a specialized collection of U.S. United States newspaper and periodical issues. They had the they had the second part two of the Magnolia United States Mail in China and Japan collection, and then they had the John B. Field collection of superb United States stamps. So among the highlights in the field collection was they had the finest 24-cent 1869 invert, which is Scott 120B, that has ever been offered. Um, it cataloged $37,500. It was signed, the stamp was signed on the back by Raymond H. Wheel Company. It brought $65,000. Um, yeah, I know who bought it, too. And there were, there were many highlights in the graded stamps. Um, among the, uh, the ones that brought the most money, there was a uh, there was a 125, the three cent locomotive uh, reissue, that brought eleven and a half thousand dollars plus eighteen percent buyer's premium. There was uh, there was a beautiful um, two cent Pan American invert that catalog. As I turn to the catalog. It cataloged. Uh, um, it cataloged fifty thousand dollars. It had a 2013 PSE cert with a grade of 90, and uh, it uh, brought eighty-five thousand um, dollars. 
there was a little 319 FJ, which is uh, the, the Type 2 stamp that catalogs uh, $225. It opened at 2000 This is lot 1266. It opened at 2000 and closed to $5,250 to the telephone. Wow. There and was that's a, just uh, for the... Uh, for the uh, for the color variety for right? the for the two cent type two Carmen Rose. Wow! Well, that's amazing. There was a three nineteen F, which is the type two Lake. Th- that catalogs twenty five dollars. It graded ninety eight, uh, two thousand five PSE certificate. It opened at sixteen hundred and brought thirty five hundred dollars for so. a twenty five cent stamp. And then plate, twenty-five dollars. Twenty-five dollars yeah. And then really great plate blocks brought really, really big prices. There was uh, an example was there was a eight-cent Colombian plate top plate block X Anderson Floyd and Gross. The catalog twenty-seven hundred dollars. Never hinged. It opened at three thousand and sold for eight thousand dollars plus eighteen percent um, to the telephone. Um, there was uh, all the all the relatively low issue. Um, Plate blocks like a one cent um, top plate of ten of the Trans Mississippi to Cat eleven hundred dollars that brought eighteen hundred dollars. Why don't you discuss top plate blocks because this is an interesting thing that I think our listeners need to know. Well, people like top plate block. People have always been trained that they they like top plate blocks because it has the widest selvage on the on, on the plate blocks. And it, it on some issues it has the most imprint on it. Most plate most 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 sheets. Most of these sheets had top plate blocks and bottom plate blocks, depending on where, um, which where the paint where the paint was located in the printing of either 200 or 400 stamps. So um, people just happen to people who like plate blocks like top plate blocks. Well, it's total demand because there's the same number of left, right, bottom, and tops, but the tops are perceived as superior, and. I understand why, because the bottom, when they're on the bottom, they're really always small and skimpy. And the top is big, but the sides, the top is more valuable than the sides also. So just having a plate block, you know, is fine. But having a top plate block, and we're talking about the flat plate presses, not the rotaries. The rotaries are the corners. But even the corners, people like having the top left or top right versus the bottom left or bottom right. So if you have a choice, you know, and you're looking for additional value, the top plate blocks are the ones to go for. Well, the best example of paying for selvage is the 50-cent China Clipper stamp. The regular plate block is like a $250 to $300 item, but a full top with that extra selvage, it states in the catalog that it's, it's worth around 5000 anywhere from 3000 to $5,000. Just because it's so scarce with full selvage. Yeah. And they had a small problem on the first day of the field sale. They had to, they had to stop about three quarters of the way through. They had a problem with their, uh, with their server auction mobility. So, since I didn't stay for the second session, I just left bids. I just that was what happened. So basically, market wise, it looks like things that normally sell at auction. First of all. Um, the values that are showing up in auction are lower, so they're moving up more. More stuff is hitting the market, and Siegel is putting things in that has a lower catalog value, and it's getting bigger prices. What I noticed is, generally speaking, things that sold for 
30, 40, 50% of catalog are now selling easily for 60 to 75% of catalog. That's about a 25 to 35% increase. That's including the buyer's premium. Um, with never hinged by far outstripping everything else. The, in my opinion, the Scott's catalog is going to either be out of date or they're going to have to increase their never hinged premium quite a bit more than it is right now. The second thing is, is that a lot of the graded stuff, and again, you know, you're going to say, oh, well, yeah, Cash, but you work for the company. It's like, yes, I do. But I work for the company because I believe in the company. Um, the prices of quality stuff graded is going up. And it doesn't matter if it's a PSE cert or a PF cert. The quality is going up both with the never hinged and the graded. And uh, it's going up significantly. And uh, there was a large section of uh, the Shanghai overprints also that you kind of didn't address. Well, that's the Magnolia sale. That's because it's half postal. That's because it's half postal history, and then we get to the Shanghai overprints, and then uh, and, and the postal history because it's China. It went wacko, huge numbers. But the U.S. Shanghai overprints were all up fifteen twenty percent, and we're talking fifteen twenty percent over like. The last six months. No, it's just the, the the what they had in here were mostly plate blocks. Yeah. So they they brought they brought strong prices for what they were. It's just, well, they never hinge ones brought very strong prices. Right. But um, and then the varieties like the um, um, the uh, K sixteen A used uh, U single brought brought uh, about $14,500. The cover brought 23000 even though it had stained purse at the upper left. Well, describe it so that people know, because people and people don't know numbers. I certainly don't. The $2 over $1 stamp with the double overprint, of which there were two sheets printed, and was discovered in late, sometime in December of 1922. So uh, uh, they had, they had a, a block of four that was off-centered, which brought 26000 they had a average to find stamp with a thin spot in the left that only brought 7500 there was a there was an extremely fine use single that brought uh, 12500 plus 18% around 14 142 and then there was a single on a cover used locally with toning in the upper left perfs that brought 23000 so and then the other the other big variety was um, the two two cent um, Local overprint varieties, the block of four, so-called uh, Shanghai omitted, and then the uh, China-only pair. The block brought 23000 plus 18%, and the pair brought $16,500 plus 18%. And then there was a bunch of Shanghai covers, which brought pretty strong prices for what, they are, what they're supposed to bring, including a $1 going to Switzerland, which brought $6,000 plus 18%. Yeah. So and then there was the newspaper sale, the newspaper collection. Right. That was uh, that was this gen this person was uh, um, had a collection of uh, uh, things that included proofs and essays of the news of both the large and the small newspaper stamps. Um, some of the some of the uh, key realizations, the um, 
really, really nice, well-centered singles brought very, very high prices. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I, I attempted to bid on this. They were a lot of the stamps were opening for well over catalog, and uh, I struggled just to find a lot that I could bid on before being outbid in a millisecond later just so that the computer would acknowledge that I wasn't a live person. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a bot. <laughs> so there was a, uh, so the, the key thing, the, the key highlights, there was a $3 PR49 newspaper special printing that brought $32,500. There was a PR50 $6 special printing, one of seven recorded examples. That brought $42,500. Which, just uh, putting in relative terms, uh, in the before times, uh, pre-COVID, uh, how much were these things selling for? In the same range. Some, uh, the, the thing yeah, that, the, the I kind of disagree there. The thing that, the thing was, the thing that, was, the thing that brought more was uh, some of the lower value things. Yeah. If it was, was well-centered, and especially if it was never hinged, it brought telephone book numbers. Um, yeah. There was a... There was a PR65 that I was the one who got the first certificate in, and in 1993, I had paid I had paid $550 for the stamp from a dealer in Pennsylvania. That stamp opened at $4,000 and brought $7,000, so against a $1,000 catalog value. Yeah. There this was, stuff is rare, and like I've said before, uh, there's a lot of money coming into the market, and it's looking for good investments. It's looking for good stuff. So there was, Lot 90 was a PR75 that was never hinged, described as extremely fine and had a, had a grade of 90. It opened it, with a catalog value of 850, it opened at 2500 and sold for $7,000. Yep. Yeah, so, these things were just out of sight, untouchable so, completely. So um, it, was, it, was a, uh, it was tough. Um, and if it, was, if it was never hinged, it did very, very well. There was a, there was a 96 cent stamp that was just very fine, PR eighty nine. It counts seventeen fifty. It opened at twenty four hundred and sold for thirty two fifty. Um, and some of the, I thought that I thought that uh, something with a small fault, a sixty cent pink, a PR ninety eight with a small thin spot, and it was very fine appearance. It opened at ten and a half and brought uh, fifteen thousand, even though there, even though the, the certificates avoided mentioning that there was a tiny vertical scuff to the left of the face. And what was the catalog value on that? Cats forty thousand. Hmm. So, and I know a lot of our listeners are going, "Yeah, but I'm never going to buy any of this stuff." It's the market. The stuff you are buying is going through exactly the same thing, just smaller numbers. I mean, talking about just extreme quality, there was a uh, PR one eleven that. Uh, um, was not was o only OG and only had a 2001 certificate that wasn't it wasn't graded, but the minimum grade I think this stamp would get would be somewhat somewhere between 85J and 90J. So with a catalog of 3250, it opened at 4,000 and brought 8,500. There was a PR 110 that that would that similarly probably 85J or nine. It had a PF certificate that called it um, 90XQ, which stands for extraordinary quality. That opened for twenty five hundred against a catalog of twenty five hundred and sold for fifty two fifty, so that's an example of what extraordinary quality was bringing. Yep. But it was it was very interesting because this collector also had a lot of proofs and essays. The proofs and essays brought kind of what market was, 
Um, I tried to buy I tried to buy a ledger sheet um, from a post office ledger sheet that had an estimate of five to seven fifty. I was the underbidder. It opened at six hundred and sold for nine hundred dollars. So over a thousand dollars with the buyer's premium. So it was it was an impressive it was a, an impressive collection of material, but not the best newspaper collection that's ever been put together. Oh no no, but it's an indicator of what's going on in the market. It's not just like I said. It's all three auctions are really showing us where things are going. I mean, we're in interesting times. We're at the beginning of the curve. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because that, that auction, I mean, you had 85s and 90s, you mm -hmm. know, going, you know, grade 85 and 90s that, are, that were just going astronomical. Well, so, pe people all think, you know, oh, if it's not a grade 100, then why bother grading it? Right. It's like, no, you, you have to look at coin collecting. Coin collecting is on a, well, okay, so first of all, coin collecting is on a 70 scale. So when I use these numbers, be aware that the top number is a 70, and that's for various historical reasons. So, you know, everybody goes, well, you know, if it's a grade 70, I want a 69 or a 70. And they go, no, you don't. You know, people collect 62, 63, 64, 65. That range is the main collecting interest. In stamp collecting, the equivalent of that is like 85 to 95, 85, 90, 95. That's the collecting range. That's people want them because they're really super nice, but they're not going to pay some insane premium for getting a 100. You know, there are people who will do that, but at that point, you're kind of collecting the number, not the stamp. You know, so the collecting interest in the 85 to 95, which is the, you know, very fine, extra fine, superb range, that's where people are, you know, going to be settling in because you can't afford a superb stamp all the time. Or a gem. Yeah. Or a gem. Oh, well, the, the uh, highest, the most expensive, I should say, not the highest, the most expensive three-cent commemorative that sold Hold on. Is the Girl Scout stamp a three cent or a four cent? The red one? It, it's four. Four cent. Okay. So um, the highest grade modern, let's call it, commemorative, uh, we, the highest price paid was for the Girl Scout stamp. And the second one was the Iwo Jima stamp. So these stamps catalog, I don't know what, 35 cents is the minimum in Scott's catalog. And... Uh, the Girl Scout stamp sold for $425, beating the $350 for the Iwo Jima stamp. So we're talking about huge markups for the number. Whereas a grade 98, which is a superb, you know, a superb Iwo Jima stamp is like 35 bucks. And you can, you know, you could buy a hinged one for, you know, less than face. <laughs> so, you know, two and a half, two cents or something like that. So quality matters. Um, and Siegel, honestly, and, you know, Albert will bear this out. Siegel only sells stuff of high quality. You know, you don't see faulty stuff in their sale, generally. Well, high quality or high rarity. Well, yeah, I mean... If, if they have the one cent magenta, you know, that stamp's a piece of crap. But, yeah. but it's the rarest stamp in the world. Arthur, <laughs> Arthur Hind obeyed his, his uh, advisors. He, 
the stamp when it was sold in the cast in the uh, Ferrari sale was missing a corner, and so he was he asked what to do with it, and they they suggested yeah. to to Miss take the, the other three, three corners. <laughs> one wonders what one wonders what where the other three corners are. They would be very very valuable. That's uh, one of the things that I always joke about. You, is, could, you know, I would love to have one of the corners from the one cent magenta. I mean, I would love to invest in one of the corners. They yeah. put the stamp. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so now I feel like uh, the people who are listening have gotten something of value out of this. Let, let's quit while we're ahead. <laughs> we need your help. Nothing on the Internet is free, including our phone and Internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this silkom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.